I have this really annoying thing that I say to myself, and I think it maybe I haven't said it. Yeah, I haven't been saying it for too long, but for maybe three or four years, I just have to say to myself, "Why should it always be other people doing these things?" Um, because now I have sh- sort of shown myself that I can do some of these things, and it doesn't mean that I'm the best runner or the fastest runner or the runner with most endurance. It doesn't mean any of those things, but it means that I can do things. I can do some of these things. Um, maybe I have to accept sometime, you know, people are, and I, I would be pretty good at being, um, you know, um, self-deprecating, to be honest with you, um, would sort of play things down a little bit. Um, and maybe I've got plenty of things that I should play down, to be honest, but you've got to maybe accept yourself as well that you have. I, wor- I work bloody hard at my training. I do a fair few miles and I'm pretty pretty dedicated to it i would say but you've got to be honest with yourself sometimes and say you have got you've got a bit of talent now maybe not a huge amount but there's some going on there and i think to myself well i am nearly 50 years old and i look at a lot of these other runners around me they're older than me so i think to myself well why shouldn't it be me that my friend was johnny breen and this is the inspiration runners podcast Hey everyone, hope you're all well. My name's Robbie Marsh and I'm your host, so welcome to the podcast. This week we revisit Johnny Bream from episode number 26. Back then he had a 350 marathon PB. He DNF'd in the 107 miles Belfast Dublin Ultra. For anyone that knows Johnny, it's been quite inspiring to watch his progress over the last 18 months. He ran a sub three hour during lockdown. He went on to run 10 sub four hour marathons in 10 consecutive days as part of the great virtual run across Tennessee completing the 636 miles in 26 days. He also got back up and completed the Dublin to Belfast 107 mile ultra in 2019 and has already signed up for the 214 mile out and back. We unpack the backyard a little bit and talk about the new dimension that the virtual race has brought to the running community during lockdown. Before we start, I'd just like to announce the Inspirational Runners Next event, the Finn McCool Virtual Team Challenge, which is a 1,350km race, which is equivalent of running a marathon in each of the 32 counties in Ireland. Your team of four will have 16 weeks to complete the challenge, which is a minimum of 13.1 miles a week for each team member. For the loony leprechauns out there, you'll have an option of chasing down the golden shamrock by taking on the challenge on your own. I use Brave as a giant Finn McCool, 1,350km in 16 weeks. If you're listening to this, we would love you to come and join the crack on our Facebook page named the Finn McCool Virtual Challenge. It would be great to see runners from all over the globe joining us through a virtual tour of the 32 counties of Ireland. Sounds epic. Don't give it a second thought. Registration link is in the show notes. Without further delay, I give you Johnny Breen. Come on, here, was it? No, a different level. So 119. So podcast number 25 and now number 119. When I listened to your episode, you know, I, I said I just hit a landmark number, 5,000 downloads. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, <laughs> so it was a bit different. And, like, you could hear cars driving past. You could There was a telephone ringing and it just would not bloody shut up. Like, you'd ran four marathons and you just DNF'd in the... So, and you just DNF'd in the Bel- Dublin to Belfast, like, 107 miles. How far did you get? 96, I got that one. 96 mm-hmm. so you're just an up-and-coming ultra runner really at that time i was a naive young boy <laughs> 47 <laughs> but what year was that was that 2018 i think that was uh that was 2018 yeah so that i i had that i lived with that for a year yeah it uh 
think it's fair to say uh, I messed that up. That was my fault. I'm actually amazed. If I, if I think back to it, I'm actually amazed that I got 96 miles because uh, I would say at least half those miles I did were basically to beat the shame of having quit at halfway or after 60 or 70 miles. There was a guy I walked with, a guy from the Isle of Man, James Bassett. He, he basically dragged me down that road and it hadn't been for him. Uh, if he hadn't taken me through Dundalk, he hadn't dragged me out of my seat in uh, McDonald's and Drogheda to do another marathon distance. Basically, he got me to the stage that I couldn't move, and then he booked me an Uber, and he ran on and finished. I got the taxi in the town. Yeah, so, so we go into that in good detail in the last podcast. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, 2018, but it didn't deter you in any way. So 2019, then you sort of towed the line again. Uh, well, I, I'd lived with it for a year, and I'd I'd regretted that what I'd essentially done was I'd underprepared, and I hadn't respected the distance, and that was. Those are pretty two pretty key issues, really, when you're doing 107, what, 107 what miles. Your, what is your definition of underprepared? What does that mean? I would say I I wasn't <laughs> I just wasn't I wasn't fit enough, and I hadn't prepared mentally for the distance. I hadn't. I don't. Th- I think what I learned in that in that race was to uh, break something like that into small constituent parts, not to think about mm. the end goal from the start. Think about the next town. Think about the next hill. Think about the next person you're talking to. Think about the next place you're going to get something to eat. Break it into things like that. Everybody can go 7K to the next village or the 15K to the next town. Everybody can do that. But if they keep sitting looking at the Belfast sign that says 173K or 165K, that does get to you. And there was one guy who's a vastly superior runner to me who pulled out in Uri because he just, I, I contacted him afterwards and he said, I just couldn't stop looking at the sign that said Belfast, X number of miles. <laughs> Broke his heart and he stopped. And he's a vastly superior athlete that I am. <laughs> or was, maybe. No, he is. Um, <laughs> but you just signed up for that race. You'd done a few marathons and you hadn't yeah. done any other sort of ultra runs at all and you just signed up 107 miles. And I remember you said in the last episode, you just sort of turned up when you backpack on and away you went. Um, did you do anything different this time round then in 2019? Second time round, I was much better prepared physically. Um, I'd lost weight. Um, I'd, you know, I'd run more marathons. I think by then I'd done, uh, I'd done a last one standing. Yeah, I actually did last one standing Castle Ward that year as prep. Really, it was my dry run, although it's a very different type of event. It was in theory a similar sort of distance, uh, depending on how far, how far you know you ended up getting. And whenever I, I think I maybe did about um, 76 or 80 miles at uh, Castle Ward that year, I knew then that if I got the weather, uh, I knew I'd I knew I'd finish Dublin to Belfast. I knew it'd be hard, but uh, I knew I'd be able to do it. And I think if you, without being overconfident when you tow the line and you think to yourself, I, I, I'm going to, if you don't have that huge doubt in your mind thinking, oh my God, what have I let myself in for? Which is possibly what I experienced the year before. You know, you're, it's a massive it's a massive head start uh, comparatively yeah. and I, I'd waited a year to do that race you know I I was so annoyed with myself from the first time and as I've heard on many of these podcasts you know when you get into this maybe doing the longer distances you're always learning all, always learning so I really think I probably put myself in a little bit of the deep end there which is <laughs> not, it's not always that's not always a bad thing think, it's not always a bad thing but uh, it can it can lead to a fall and that was that was definitely the case that year. Um, what was your first backyard experience like? My first, uh, it, was, it was fantastic. It was Castle Ward that year. And I mean, I, I've only done the two. I've only done the two mm-hmm. uh, last one standings. 
Um, and it's a different, you know, it's a different dynamic. Um, it's, I'm not sure if it's my favorite, but I really enjoy, one of the things that I really do get from running in general is the social aspect from it. No different really you know, to anybody else. There's obviously the competitive aspect and I'm probably more competitive with myself than I am with other people, which I, I feel personally is quite positive from my point of view. It, it means I enjoy the experience of, of running in general more. But I think that uh, last one standing Castle Ward the first year um, was in the big tent. A lot of guys sitting around me and I thought these guys, these guys are all, they're all better than me. And um, I sat down there in the corner and I was actually down beside um, Catherine Muskelly. And, you know, as the day wore on, we were sort of sitting there with our shoulders tight together. I was extremely disorganized. She had this plastic box, which I got a plastic box for the next year, which did actually help. She was organized and I was completely disorganized. Um, and But eventually that tent of athletes that I thought were vastly superior to me started to, th started to thin out. And I wouldn't say that we, she and I were certainly not the only two left in there, but we were the only two down in that corner that maybe had 10 or 12 people. Of course, she ended up being the ladies' ladies winner. Um, I, I finished a long time before she I don't know if you're to say that, by the way. A ladies' winner. Well, <laughs> but I know I, what you I, mean. I just said it there. So that's, uh, <laughs> she was awarded ladies' winner that year. So Yeah, no, she's done fact. absolutely fantastic. Like, so I remember really walking did. into the tent and she was struggling to get through fifth, 50 miles mm -hmm. she's like i can't go on like and she she, she, she did at the end of each lap i think I, d I don't think she would disagree that she did have her doubts uh she didn't have her doubts i think she'd maybe been to about 70 miles before i think i remember saying and then norman when turned up in the middle of the night and uh started you know mentoring her uh gently i think that worked well for her and i, I didn't really know her norman at all at the time i'd seen him a couple of times but it sort of rubbed off a little bit on me as well like and he's a very positive a great guy like you know and uh, he's been very he useful to me actually laterally as well he's in some shape for his oh, age fantastic you've got to you Show know it's all up you know he's you know he's got a few years on you and i although he's not maybe not that that tremendously much older than i am but that's the sort of guy who gives you a bit of hope that you know i'm 50 in a month right which is not all that inspiring if i'm honest but i suppose it gets you in the different age category and there's a chance for a few more prizes i look older than you i'm five <laughs> in a month <laughs> Well, I, I'd be pretty sure, Robbie, now at the minute I could beat you in a race. Yeah, I think you might be <laughs> right. Seeing as I'm mobile. I'm on the bike, though, so... Oh. <laughs> well, that's a different story. You that. But that is the beauty about the backyard, though, isn't it? Like, there's, there's Catherine. She actually done, I think, one less loop than the course record. Yeah. You know, she'd never... I think she did 120 miles. miles or something. I, should, I, don't think, I think 75 miles or so was her furthest before. I mean, she's... Like, when she, she fairly nailed that. Like, she looked as fresh as a, as a daisy, but you always do. <laughs> the outside doesn't always show what's going on <laughs> in the inside. It doesn't always reflect the inside, no. It does not. But pretty miserable weather that night as well, because I remember coming up to see these guys. Like, and it, yeah, and yeah, and I remember you being there, Robbie. Um, it, was, it wasn't great. Look, it's February in Northern Ireland. It's never going to be subtropical. Although it actually, it actually didn't really turn bad until the middle of the night. It wasn't too bad. Actually, we're quite lucky. I mean, it was nothing compared to this year. It was going on for apocalyptic i mean you know you know that yourself it wasn't uh, <laughs> it wasn't good this year but um i i just love the dynamic of it i mean not just you know sitting down in the corner chatting away to catherine who i'd never met before meeting just coming across or just falling into conversation on a loop with somebody who had no idea who they were and they had no idea or maybe not much interest in who i was either but you just pick up little pearls or you have a bit of a chat or maybe you do a loop on your own and um as long as you don't quit on your seat 
I don't think you can argue with yourself, to be honest. Yeah, but you do have to be careful of Castle Ward, like, because you go past, after one mile on the course, you go past the finish line. Yeah. So I was well prepared for not quitting on my seat, but I wasn't well prepared for walking past that finish line at mile one. Did you find that difficult? No, uh, I didn't find it difficult, but on the loop that I wanted to pull out, I goes, well, I'm not down in the chair. That's definitely not okay, happening. Okay, really? Okay. So as long as I got myself back on the course, I'm all right. <laughs> so I got back on the course... And Barry McCarroll um, come walking down that path. So I walked up to him mm-hmm. off the course. I just happened to see him. And he said, oh, you're doing really, really well. Um, we could come down to support you. And he was asking me to finish now. <laughs> he said, what? I goes, well, we've been talking here now three minutes. I couldn't, I couldn't pull that back. That's all <laughs> I needed. Um, so what do you th- talk to me about you finishing, actually pulling out? of that event well look and i mean and look this year i did quit on my seat i mean to be honest the storm was so bad i just got to the stage where i thought i've done about 70 miles here i'm not going to do 100 i'm not interested in doing 84 or 88 or whatever i I just stopped uh the year before i'd actually been everything was going really well uh i got to about 17 loops felt great actually you know it's the middle of the night and i was still thinking about it put in a wee fast loop uh did a did a loop in 45 minutes felt absolutely fine Sat down because I, I wanted to use the time for specifics. Sat down. And I just don't think I ate the right things. Um, mm. I didn't. It didn't give me the sugar rush into my system straight away. And about 15, 20 minutes out onto the next loop, I was wandering all over the road, sitting down on a stone. Sean Nickel actually pulled me up off a stone at one stage, and I just sat down on the next one. And <laughs> I just meandered my way up to the finish in, a, in an hour and 15 minutes or something like that, you know. And it just shows you how. Although you feel strong, you feel good, you feel confident, you think to yourself, okay, dawn's coming soon, it was maybe five, six o'clock in the morning, you can be out pretty quickly. Uh, you know, the loop before, the one I went out, was my strongest loop. Right, okay. Um, I think what you said there about coming in early, you have to be careful that you can have too much time because you can eat too much. I think that's what happened to me. I had a really quick loop. Okay. And then I actually overate a bit because I had too much time. And I, I, I look that that loop could have been waiting on me. Maybe I maybe I went too quickly that loop. Maybe I used a bit too bit too much energy. Maybe I was closer to the edge than I thought I was. I, I, I don't know. Um but it just went from going extremely well on loop seventeen or whatever that was to you know, completely out for the count. Basically at pretty much out for the count on the course in the next loop. And did you like seventy six miles, like I'm sorry, was it seventy six miles? I, I can't I think it was seventy six miles. How many loops was it? Seventeen know. loops, maybe I'm not seventeen or eighteen loops. I'm Do you sure. think that's a a problem then when you because on the as you said there this year it was apocalyptic, mm-hmm. you know really bad conditions and I hit my fifty loops. I was sort of happy to get fifty loops based on where I was at. Um, I should have hit over hundred definitely if I was really committed to that. Should have been doing hundred and fifty <laughs> with all of these podcasts that we well, were doing. I was feeding yeah. full of it, um, but I knew I wasn't going to get hundred miles, and I think that that because you touched on that a little bit. Um, and I think that's what happened to a lot of people. It was so bad that, you know, so s- I'd done like 53 miles or something, but I knew if I'm not going to get 100 miles, what's the point going on? It was in my head. But that bugged the hell out of me, hell out of me later. You know, I didn't give it what I could have given it because I knew I wasn't going to get my A goal or didn't commit myself to it. And that bugged the hell out of me then. I actually didn't go as far as I could have went. That is annoying when it's when it's when it's a you know if you're going to five and ten k's every week, which I do, and half marathons, which I do, you know, there's always another one around the corner. You can put that to bed, or you can put a bad run to bed, 
next time mm-hmm. um, when you're going to a last one standing you've got to wait for a while um, and that, I think if I touch again on running between the capital cities I had 12 months basically of being pretty pissed off at myself um, not so much at last one standing because it, the first time I'd ever done it and it was a training run I knew if I did X number of miles and had a bit of luck with the weather, I was all set. As long as I applied myself and was careful and looked after my feet and the things that I hadn't done the year before, I knew I could do it. So I wasn't that bothered that I'd finished at 76 miles, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. That wasn't too bad um, because it was it was a dry run for something else. This year, I was just a bit annoyed with myself because you just think to yourself, I can't be bothered with this anymore. I could have gone on. I just couldn't be bothered. Yeah. And you know the people who I was in the tent with this year who are good friends of mine, they were starting to drop at 50 and 55 and 58 miles or whatever. And I thought, you know, I, I don't want to sit here in this tent on my own. It's absolutely freezing. Um, There's only like five like other people in this tent. Uh, I was actually enjoying the weather because I thought I knew I wasn't as strong as I should have been in the race. And I thought it might grind a few people out a bit quicker. I think it probably did. I mean, there was a bigger field this year, but it was a quality field this year. I mean, it had a better... But it just goes to show we had the likes of Ian Keith, Dan Lawson, Sharon Gator... Like Sharon Gator is like seventeen years. She competed for Great Britain mm-hmm. as an ultra runner. Like she's run. And you had Claire, the ladies. I well, know there was no. Was there a ladies winner this year? I'm not sure, but Claire that was there. And I mean, she's. It's Claire Stackley Bamworth, is it? Yeah, she's. Uh, like she's in the top ten in the return of her Tennessee at the moment. I mean, she's absolutely. She could be even like fifth or sixth. I mean, she's. Yeah, she's amazing. Like I'm definitely gonna get her on the podcast. Like she can do it now. Yeah. And I wish I knew that at the time. And that's one thing about the backyard. You've said so. Like in the first one, you didn't really know anybody. But now, um, I was lucky through the podcast. I knew a lot of people. Um, but I'd never sort of met them. And it was like, oh, the, here's such and such. Mm-hmm. Here's such and such. Because you know the community now. So the backyard dynamics changed again. Because it's a place now to go and see your friends. It's a smaller community, but I think, um, and if you do see them at other races along the way, you know you have that bond. I mean, I have, I mean, it's not, I don't think, I don't know if it's just the backyard events, but I mean, from the failure of running from Dublin to Belfast, I'm great friends with this guy from the Isle of Man, who I've met once. From the second time I did, when I managed to, to, to complete the 107 last year, um, I met Colleen Thompson. I'd never met her before. She and I ran and walked and staggered 75 miles that day. We've always, you know, we've always got that now. So whenever we see each other, that's a great base for your, you know, your friendship. And I've probably seen her maybe four or five times since. But you get to know people quite well, I think, quite quickly. It's a bit niche. Um, so I wouldn't say it was just maybe about just to do with the backyards, although mm. obviously that's that's quite a large part of it. But just, you know, people who are willing to go that bit further and run, you know, yeah. dopey distances um so it's the there's something r- that bonds you together you know it's the ultra running community like but the thing about the backyard is like you're just going around pretty slow so you can get to talk to everybody absolutely everybody yeah. like it's yeah. not that like you're linking up with somebody for this distance all of a sudden you're getting that whole dynamic and i think like in three years time you're going to know everybody at it sort <laughs> well, of thing really. like, um but in the like 2019 when you've done that 107 miles um, from belfast to dublin what time did you get in that? Because you done really well. Uh, 25 hours. Yeah, 25 hours. 25 so I was talking hours. to Sean the other day and I said, you did 21 hours, didn't you? And he said, no, 18. <laughs> did he? You done it in 18, 18 hours. Yeah, he yeah. done phenomenal. Yeah. Like, um, no, it was a good time. I mean, I wasn't really too worried about the time, to be honest. I just didn't want to not finish. So and talk, to me, talk to me about that then, um, that day. 
um, and how it was different than the first time. What lessons did you bring across to help you? Because I know that you had awful problems with your feet the first time round. I had. It didn't. It didn't go well with the feet the first <laughs> yeah. time. Round, but that was my fault. You know, that was lack of preparation, rocking up and thinking, ah, I'm great. You know, I can. I can do this. It's going to be hard, but I can do this. Uh, setting off too hard, being naive. Um, so we just got ca- caught up in the whole did thing. Really, I was just much more conservative. This did you time. have a bigger size shoe or anything like that? To help I rotated my shoes. I stopped. Um, I stopped three times. Um, to take real good care of my feet. Maybe stopped 15, 20 minutes to let the air at them. Maybe just to attend to anything that needed a little bit of major surgery. Uh, probably had fresher, better socks. Uh, yes, rotated my shoes as I said, and I just was much, much more sensible about it this time. Um, I knew what the surface was going to be like. I mean, that's that old road to Dublin, the R one thirty two. I mean, you're in you're in the verges of that road. That the verges haven't been tarmacked in a very long time. The road might have been, but as it as it falls away, and the camber is hard as well. That's very hard on your ankles. So ankle supports. Mm. I learned that I needed ankle supports, which I hadn't had the the year before. I mean, if you're on an adverse camber for 40, 50, 60 miles. That's, that's going to hurt. And what, what sort of style were they? Were they just compression or? I, yeah, I, I had compression socks. I had ankle supports and uh, just my socks, which I changed extremely regularly. So I just, I, I just give myself a chance. I would tend to cramp up in the calves as well. So I find that the compression socks are quite good. Uh, just, and they give me a bit more, uh, for some reason, they give me a little bit more confidence just having them. Mm. I don't know if they make a huge difference, but in my head they do. So that's good enough, you know. So I, I just looked after myself. I probably had a bit more idea about kit. I probably had a bit more idea about food. There were a lot of people. I think maybe it was easier coming home as well because um, I knew the way. Mm. Um, you know, I live, I live in Banbridge, so you can come right past. You come right through the town. Um, once we got onto the R132 out of Dublin, I knew where I was going. Whereas the year before, I got an awful mess along with two or three other people. We ended up wandering onto the motorway to Dublin. I mean, it's at maybe 10 o'clock at night. That's sketchy. It's really yeah, it's sketchy. And I mean, there was no hard shoulder. It was really dodgy. Um, I, I just was a bit wiser this time. I mean, it was small. There are probably small margins in a number of departments, but if you just add them all up, it's the difference between making a mess of it. Mm. Do you have any new finished. problems that appeared that didn't appear the first time? No, it was. It, I would say it was much easier the second time. Much easier. It okay. was everything, little bit, little bits of luck with weather, people, just bumping into people. I mean, the last, the first 15, 20 miles, I was probably with the likes of Stuart Campbell and people like that. I'm sure it's always a bit of a laugh, you know, it was great. Then bumped into Colleen just before Dundalk, went into a bar with her actually. <laughs> and, we got, and I mean, it worked for her and it worked for me because I had a bit of company. Her husband was doing crew. I had no crew. Um, it worked for her because, you know, maybe a Friday night at, Midnight's not a great spot in Dundalk for us, a girl on her own. Uh, so everybody was happy, basically. And then we just tramped up the road together. And it was so I think I was better prepared. So that was down to me. Um, and I had a, probably a bit more luck. Did uh, you finish with her then? We finished together, yeah. yeah. Okay. Do, do you sort of find when you're supporting somebody as well and you're supporting each other, it sort of takes your mind off it, doesn't it? It gives you something to sort of focus on. I think on. it does. But I mean, we when I say we ran together, we, there were times we were maybe 200 yards apart. But we were sort of concertina, concertina together, mm-hmm. that we were together, but you weren't in each other's pocket, kind of thing. You know, you could sort of do your own thing. You were stopping for a drink, and she was flying up off the, up the road. <laughs> oh yes, there's my chance. Two hundred yards, and then it's but like you know, it was it was just it just it was just a good dynamic, and we kind of got on quite well. Um, so how did that the same feel? Goal, you know, how did that feel finishing then after the DNF the year before? 
it was it was very satisfying very satisfying i felt it felt great to be honest and i don't think i'll be honest i don't think there was much left in the tank at that stage um but it felt you know the last few miles once you once you hit the likes of Derryahi and dunmurray and you're coming down the lisburn road you know you know you think to yourself i have to, i have done this you know i mean it's quite hard up to lisburn the a1 is very unforgiving again you're on hard shoulder so it's a bit like the r132 it's not comfortable like a lot of uphill from that direction as well doesn't it do you know well, I suppose when you come from Banbridge down down to the Belfast, you're coming down to the port. So, you know, in general, you're coming downhill, but it's very, very undulating. The Actually, I think the hardest bit of that whole course is from Newry to Banbridge. You come, the, there's, you come on the towpath and then you're on the road through Points Pass and Jarrett's Pass and places like that. It's, it's getting on for mountainous there. It's not pleasant. And then at the end of that, you've still got a marathon to go. And that's, that's tough enough. You do those 15 miles from Banbridge to... Lisburn, and you're kind of you're kind of home there. You know you're going to finish. I think mm. anyhow. You know what about food then? I keep, I am really. I apologize to everybody because I'm really focusing on food in every podcast. I know that's obviously me <laughs> trying to work out the bloody code of eating. <laughs> um, do you have any stomach issues or anything going through that sort of event? Or I was fine this this time. I mean, I have had stomach issues in the past. I mean, Energia this time last year, I had terrible stomach problems. That injury as well, but terrible stomach problems. Started to reject food from basically. 11 or 12 hours and you know there's only so long protein milk is going to keep you going to be honest with you that was basically all i could stomach uh so with regards to food i mean i know you do concentrate on food and i mean a lot of the guys you're talking to will be fairly specialized in this kind of thing but then again you'll talk to jill mccann and she'll probably pass off that she just goes to the chippy every night and then washes it down with vodka so um i, I would say that i don't the con- banana pardon the odd bananas thrown in there well that's just that's very exotic isn't it but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh I, I, I don't concentrate enough on my food. I mean, I, I think it's, I think one of the big changes I made in the 107 miles was to concentrate, concentrate on eating more normal food. Um, I think that keeps your tummy in check as well. It fills it up. It psychologically, it feels like you're having a meal. Like I went, I dropped into McDonald's and dropped it and the year before it had been because it was closer to the finish than the start. It was like more or less like a foot surgery. I mean, the Atlas guys were in there pulling people's feet apart including mine it wasn't pretty this year you know it was a place to go to get yourself a springboard to get up the road to get yourself something to eat i mean it was after it's probably about f- i don't know draw this but 40 miles probably about six o'clock you're in there so you need to get something to eat and then get up and then get yourself up the road you know it gives you it breaks it up again into stages short-term goals you know i knew that was there so i knew i was going to eat there so I think I was probably just a little bit better prepared and in general just ate proper food. I mean, friends of mine brought pizza to the border. Pizza. So, I mean, you know, it's hard to beat, you know, but it's proper ordinary food in your tummy. And yes, you can work around that, but it means you're having sort of not square meals. I wouldn't say that going to McDonald's or yeah. just eating pizza is a square meal, but it's regular food that you're used to. And then you can just work around that. Yeah, it's not really, it's not real sharp energy that you're getting from this food. But like you sa- you'll sacrifice that for making sure your stomach doesn't go because when it goes, like it's so debilitating. There's not much you can do about that. Like you know it's what I mean. So you're, you're eating gone. ordinary food and making sure your stomach's settled and you're not overeating and you just keep in some sort of calories. I just didn't want to get hungry. I have a thing. I mean, and I don't know if it really is. I don't actually know if it's true, but I have a thing that if I start to feel hungry, I in my head I think I'm going to get weak straight away, which may or may not be the case, but I just try to avoid hunger. Um, and obviously when you're in a race like that and maybe you're going through the night, there aren't going to be too many places open. 
there are only so many checkpoints uh, that the organizer set up so there are only so many times that you can maybe can eat during the night so you've got to make sure you've got it with you you've got to make sure you have plenty of water uh, you've got to make sure you just have it even if you don't eat all that food i think just knowing that you've got food there from my from my own personal reassurance yeah. i know i'm not going to get hungry if i feel a little pang in my tummy i can have something to eat i have it there rather than thinking my god i'm not going to see anybody for three hours what what, what am i what am i going to do here i got to do 20 miles here and do you have anything in your pack that would help you like i always bring a little rice pudding with me now because for some reason rice my stomach pudding. gets unsettled um, I, just tear, I just have like protein bars and things like that it's not i'm not particularly scientific about all this I, this is a recreational activity <laughs> So I don't spend a huge amount of time on it's investigation. Hard, it's still hard to push your body for 25 hours. doesn't matter what distance or what pace, like 107 miles, 25 hours. You have to be able to move forward for that length of time. Like, so it is important. Like, and I know it, it, everybody is so individual, but food in these long distance events, like, is really any, I do feel that almost anybody can sort of push through that once they learn the basics, but food over that distance. And you mentioned like, you know, seven, eight hours, you can pretty much down anything around seven or eight hours. If you're running a marathon, you can buck gels into you and you're going to mm-hmm. get through it. Like, Yeah, you, um, you take the consequences afterwards. Yeah, I mean, and a couple of three gels during a marathon, church, nothing. But if that's all, the year before, probably I had gel after gel after gel. I mean, it's, it's not going <laughs> to, not a long-term strategy, I don't think, for your digestive system. You can sort of get 12, 13 hours and then the whole thing can go peak tong, like, and then that's a long sort of... Or yeah. a DNF, yeah. DNF or death walk back in like yeah. so you crossed the line in 2019 like and like that's not enough for Johnny Breen like Johnny Breen is an up-and-coming um ultra runner like <laughs> and <laughs> at what stage then did you decide to do it both ways both directions really quickly yeah really quickly um you know I have this I have this really annoying thing that I say to myself and I think it maybe I haven't said it, yeah, I haven't been saying it for too long, but for maybe three or four years, I just have to say to myself, why should it always be other people doing these things? Um, because now I have sh- sort of shown myself that I can do some of these things. And it doesn't mean that I'm the best runner or the fastest runner or the runner with most endurance. It doesn't mean any of those things, but it means that I can do things. I can do some of these things. Um, maybe I have to accept sometime, you know, people are, and I, I would be pretty good at being, um, know um self-deprecating to be honest with you um would sort of play things down a little bit um and maybe i've got plenty of things that i should play down to be honest but you've got to maybe accept yourself as well that you have i work i work bloody hard at my training i do a fair few miles and i'm pretty pretty dedicated to it i would say but you've got to be honest with yourself sometimes and say you have got you've got a bit of talent now maybe not a huge amount but there's some going on there. And I think to myself, well, I am nearly 50 years old and I look at a lot of these other runners around me. They're older than me. So I think to myself, well, why shouldn't it be me? So the there's a lot of inspiration around us, like, isn't there? Do you know, do you know, a lot of, a lot of the, a lot of the podcasts, Robbie, that you do are with people who are unbelievable athletes and are, obviously very human as well like terry and so on. i mean i particularly enjoyed hers but but then again you've got keith russell's that you did just the other week you know he's a guy from down south obviously a phenomenal athlete but i think maybe for people 
maybe closer to where closer to home here maybe a little bit more accessible people like bobby irvine and Catherine and you know billy reed people like that they're people that we can relate to them because we see them at events and if you start thinking to yourself well if he can do it and she can do it mm. i think i can do it um colleen's another one you know i i think she makes the absolute most of what she she has she has kids and so on it's a little bit difficult for her to train sometimes she makes the absolute best of what she she's got and i don't think you can do anything but admire that so you know you come to the end of a 107 mile race you think to yourself i'm pretty i'm pretty knackered here you know things are going to be sore here for a day or two although i think actually i was out on the monday night for a few miles and that was saturday yeah so i think it was out like 36 hours later for a few miles just to try and loosen things up and i i reckon about two or three days later i says right if that 214's on again i there's absolutely no reason why I can't try to do that. Um, I, I'm going to have a go at it, <laughs> for sure. And I think I can do it, you know. Now you come back, you nailed the 107-mile um, Dublin to Belfast, and you signed up then for the Dublin to Belfast return. Yeah. That's what it's called, isn't it? 214 miles. Um, you've done really well in the backyards. Then your marathon running is really where you started focusing on. And you went to Galway, it must have been two years ago now. You two went years to Galway. Ago. Yeah. Because when we done the podcast last time, you were hoping to break 3.30 as well. That's right. Yeah. And then I think it was at 3.50 or something at that stage, which was great. You know, which was great. You know, that was, that was good. You know, that was good for me because that's where I thought I could get to. But I think it was maybe around about that time I started thinking to myself, well, do you know what? You know, you know even at that stage, Robbie, I wasn't at a running club. Um, not only was it not at a running club, I wasn't, there's a, I was running with a couple of my mates and I then would pitch up at the races with people who I knew were at running clubs. And I sort of thought to myself, you know, running club wouldn't really be for somebody. You know, for me, it's for really good runners. So I, that, I just sort of said to myself, well, that's not, really my, that's not really me. So, I mean, I then started to go to a little club in Banbridge called Roxy's Runners, which is just, it's named after a dog, actually. But it's a couch to 5K and then it progresses on to quite a few of those people would then stay on maybe start doing 10Ks and so on and so forth. But there's some really, there's some good runners there. Niall Rankin is there. Jenna Burton is there. And she, she's been my main training partner these days. Um, and then some of them started to go to St. Peter's or to Dromore. And then I thought to myself, you know, I, I'm going to try. I'm going to try Dromore. Um, I think it was part of that. Well, why, why shouldn't it be me? And then I suppose that some of these, in general, my times were starting to get a bit a bit better. I was probably training a bit more, just being a bit more, not methodical or organized, just a bit more, just enjoying it a bit more. And, you know, the more you practice, the luckier you get kind of thing. And then and then when I did end up going to Dromore, I thought to myself, why, why have I not been here five years ago? They were lovely, all standards, some cracking runners at Dromore. Mm. But at the same time, there are some people who are probably starting out or... Uh, who are making no less effort than I am, but maybe just it's it doesn't come quite as naturally to them. So I I found that that was absolutely key to me was going to Dromore. I mean the coach mm -hmm. I I don't it's know. It's an excellent it, club though. It, look, it's the only club I've ever been to, so the only one I can compare it to is itself. Mm -hmm. uh, it has really worked for me. I I I don't know. I just any sport I played before, if I liked the coach or really respected the coach, it turned out that I played a lot better. Whatever whatever particular club that was or whatever sport it was. I really like the coaches at Dromore. They do push you. So name a few of those guys. Like. Michael, Michael and Roy are the guys, um, really for me. And they would, you know, I, I, they're very good coaches as far as I can see, just in terms of cajoling people along. Apart from just the technical, I don't know too much about the technical mm. aspect, but the competitive nature of the training, raising your pain barrier, 
and realizing i think and then seeing it on the road seeing it in your time seeing it maybe in your not not that i finished at the very top of any race but you know you mm. start to get up the field and you start to beat people that you didn't beat before and you start seeing your times coming down that i mean that was joining jamore was just like that was what it's a real good me. buzz that like because when you're sort of stagnant and you're running like if you're running say a 350 marathon you sort of know your position and the people that you run with like so even if you're standing watching a race you'd be thinking to yourself i'd be going by now because you know the people that are around you mm -hmm. and then about three or four months later you're in a different group of people and you're thinking this is alien to me actually i'm not with that group anymore i'm mm -hmm. with a whole mm -hmm. new group of people and this feels good like that's i think it, I, th I think i think a little bit of progress gives you a bit of confidence which leads to more progress which leads to you working harder you know and i don't know where you know obviously there are limited possibilities but you know there's i'm not i'm no way finished it's even shorter distances i know i can go faster at the shorter distances there's no doubt about it uh and i love the sh i love all the distances which is possibly to my disadvantage i don't specialize in anything I just love running, you know, and I just love the whole buzz from it. I mean, I go to a race, say I go to a 10K race, I break it into five parts. Now, maybe things are slightly different just with uh, the way things are at the moment, but you've got the social aspect of going to the race together, having a laugh beforehand. Then there's a, flick there's a switch flicks in my head at the start, and I go into game mode, run the race. That's brilliant. Then you've got the post-mortem afterwards where everybody has a bit of a chat and a coffee and so on, that's a bit of a laugh. And then you've got the way home. I mean, to me, like you could go to a 10K race and it could be five, six hours of just pure pleasure as far as I'm concerned, you know. So I love that aspect of it too. Um, the whole the whole thing just works for me. And then obviously as you start to improve and you start to do better, it feels good. Galway is known as a really good PB, PB course. Yeah. It's on early in the year. It's on, it's, it? it's uh, first weekend in October. And um, when we podcast last time, it was near the rain September sort of time. It was your next race, I think. Yeah. That was one race when I seen your result and went, holy crap. Well, the first, like, the first year I did it, my, my time was quite good. I, it was about 3.20 something. Uh, I can't actually remember what it was. Yeah. But on that, that year, actually, I mean, a guy who I'd gone to school with, who's actually now the manager of the Irish Winter Olympic team, it was he who got me in. He said, do you want a free place? Because he was bringing the uh, cross-country skiers, the Irish Olympic team. So they do the marathon on their cross-country skis with wheels on as a sort of a, I don't know, it's like a, they, they set off like five or ten minutes before the rest of the marathon. It's quite good, you know. Um, and he said to me, do you want to go down? I said, right, okay, I'll go down. And it was quite good rocking up at the start in the Olympic bus and so on. It, uh, I felt like a real pro it didn't really look like one but i felt like one and uh, i knocked out a good time it was about 320 something i think that was probably a best time at the time i think it was best time at the time and then the year after actually that was 29 and then in 2019 um i had a bad injury last summer and did london marathon in 316 so that, that was that was that was the best time for me then at that stage and then very shortly afterwards i tore my ankle ligaments and faffed about and ran short distances and Actually, between London in, what was that, April or May? April. Uh, and then uh, Galway in October, I did three. I, the three longest runs I did were, were three half marathons because my body, my ankle just wouldn't do the distances otherwise. So it was all based on speed work. It wasn't based on any long runs, which now, you know, I, I'm on Sunday long run every week here at the moment with a group of friends in Lurgan. And uh, it's been invaluable for me. So actually, I did Galway Bay then and managed 310. So that was that was a great time. 
But if I look at my last four or five miles, it was a total blow up job. I mean, it was 305 or 306. It should have been. So it's quite, was, quite a lot of progression very quickly. Yeah. yeah I mean, look, it was good progression. It's a good course. And I think it was pretty valuable to me knowing the course. You know, I knew I could go there mm. and do quite well. And I mean, it was Storm. Which Storm was it? I can't remember. I think it was one of them that started with a K. I'm not sure. I just know Storm Dennis. But it was, it was, uh, <laughs> it was, a, it was a tough one. Katrina. Storm Katrina, maybe, I think. So you're on the bay. You know, you're out, there, out from Galway to Salt Hill. So it's very exposed. Yeah. But everybody who I went with, I think, uh, ran a personal best time. It's a great course for a personal best. You but know? you still need to be in good shape to run that pace. So what mm. was it then that moved Johnny Breen from a 350 down to like a 310? I think it was going to Dromore. Yeah, but what uh, type of things did they add? Because uh, if everybody goes, everybody goes to Dromore now next week, it's not <laughs> going to happen. Like just uh, competitive, competitive training, really, really okay. works it for me. I, I am an annoyingly competitive person anyhow in general, um, and being able to compete in training, it's not formal competition, but you're trying to stick with your group. You get into, you get up into one of maybe one of the top one or two groups. You think to yourself, right? Okay, I'm going to have to work here, work hard here, and. and you want to earn the respect of the group that you're in as well. You don't want to be trailing around behind them, you know. Um, you don't want you don't want Michael to put you down a group either. You want to stay in that group, um, and that competitive training. I think maybe I was in a I've been in the, now a group with people who I would always have thought were much better athletes mm-hmm. than I am. And to be fair, most of them probably are better athletes than I am. Or they were. Well, ah, no, I, th- I think in well, fairness, well, they you, probably are. But I, I want to stay. I want to stay there, and that gives me twice a week. I go there, and I knock my socks in uh, uh i work my socks off sorry and that has that has worked that has worked mm. so well for me was there more structure or was it the same type like we do more sort of repeat work intervals and stuff like it's, that it's it's all sorts it's a great variety a great variety i mean look as, as i said as earlier robbie the only cl- the only club i can compare Dramore to is Dramore. so i i don't know if uh the routines at different clubs are better or not but i know there's a great there's a great uh variety i know there are some cracking athletes who come to Dromore and they don't live in Dromore. they come from not far and wide but from a distance and I, i'm pretty confident that it's it's absolutely revolutionized you're touching on variety there though i think that's really really important so i had gary o'hanlon as a coach okay. um, at one stage like and for a lot of people who are sort of trying to break the four hours you know you go out and you just run distance and time mm-hmm. you're almost running marathon distance oh, i've done 18 miles 20 miles at marathon distance it's not until you get that variety into your training because that's what you need is so many different types of muscles and fast switch muscles yep. and endurance and aer- aerobic sort of base and anaerobic and all that good stuff. And you have to exercise that full range because you are going through the full range in a marathon. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Especially when it gets tough at the end and you're getting fatiguing. And, you know, I, I actually found then at the end that have I kicked you know, you're moving to a diff- your faster twitch muscles and, you know, you're giving other muscles a rest where you can mm-hmm, actually, mm-hmm. you're moving different sections. I think when it comes to marathons, I, I'm, I'm not sure, I don't sure, I don't think I do much kicking during marathons, to be honest with you. It's, to me, it's all about pacing. Um, and I, bra- it's, it's the same, same as in, in life, possibly I try and have shorter term goals. My watch is set to buzz every half mile and uh, um i know exactly what i want to do every half mile i don't have it all written up my arm i don't have it all on a spreadsheet it's in my head so i have in my head what i want to be at after at 5k 
I know where I want to be in half an hour. I know how many many miles I want to do in the first hour on the half marathon. And then I, st- I just break it down and break it down. And it gives me something to think about as well. So, I mean, um, you'll maybe come on to touch on the race across Tennessee before too long. But uh, I broke that into small constituent parts. The first constituent part of that was a friend of mine, um, Niall, who I mentioned earlier, he had organized a Not the Belfast Marathon for 3rd of September or 3rd of May, sorry. And um, quite a few people were at various locations running their own 26.2. I did mine up at the Boulevard in Bambridge. So I had started the great ra- virtual race across Tennessee, but on, my, on day one, I did 4.8 miles. On day two, I did 3.2 miles because on the Sunday, I wanted to do a sub three hour marathon. And I just went up there on my own. Now two of my friends did actually come up to wave me off and they came up at the end as well to see me home. It was all about pacing, not about kicking. Um, all about just building up a little bit of a cushion and just race management. I think if you can pace, if you can pace a race, it's absolutely key. So the great virtual run across Tennessee, the GB Rat. Yeah. Um, just tell me a little bit about that, then, that people don't know. Well, basically, the great virtual race across Tennessee was started up by uh, Lazarus Lake, who I'm sure uh, most people listening to this will know is the uh, the man behind the. Uh, well, all the, many of the great ultras, including, of course, the Barkley Marathons. Um, he set this up uh, to attract, he hoped, maybe a couple of hundred people. And he ended up with, uh, I know you've mentioned a couple of times, 18,999. I think it's about 19,500 or anything. But um, basically what you had to do was run the 635 miles or 1,021 kilometers from the west side of uh, Tennessee to the east side of Tennessee, you had four months to do it, uh, and of course that means that lots and lots of people, in fact the majority of people are still probably meandering their way virtually across Tennessee. Um, what drew you to it? I'm not really into virtual races um, because I'm not really into medals, to be honest. My medals all go in a couple of plastic bags or in the boot of the car or the glove box or something like that. Some of them are nice and obviously I, I, I yeah, do want to keep them. You have a Christmas tree then covered in medals, no? Not, not yet. <laughs> no, I'm saving up for one of those... Uh, but so I, I, that's virtual races aren't really for me, although I actually do think they're brilliant for some people who are maybe find it hard to get to races or who are starting out mm-hmm. or who want to try and compete some sort of a challenge, maybe slightly more modest, but still get a sense of achievement out of that because it's no less effort for some people to do that, to be honest, than it is for somebody to run the whole way across Tennessee. So uh, these things are all relative. But, you know, you had a certain amount of time. You had four months to do it, so it's very comfortable. But, of course, there's there are a certain number of people would be annoyingly competitive but it was it, the whole dynamic of it totally changed like so last come up with this um just we were down in a lockdown everybody had trained for their races it was coming out into springtime and all races around the planet were getting cancelled mm-hmm. so all this training people were ready just to let go um and it was no more and nobody really knew what to do with themselves and um, so what Laz very cleverly did as he always Everything he does is pretty clever, to be honest. He created this, but it was more like not only did they create this virtual um, platform, but it started to build very quickly into this big community of people that were in exactly the same boat Mm -hmm. that needed that release that they're so used to. And then we didn't realize how much it running actually meant to us and what it was. We did have an inkling of what it was given to us, but all of a sudden it was taken away. And, you know, you weren't allowed to go for your 20 mile run or whatever we weren't 
it's different all different places around the world like but to build a community of everybody it's sort of, sort of what we talked about when we're going to the races 10k half marathon whatever you get that big buzz of community it gave that back to everybody didn't it and the virtual run it, it, i think it's true to say it's been a phenomenon um you know and it's as you touched on earlier at a, a backyard event you can be talking to some guy who's never taken on an event like that one lap and the next lap you could be talking to somebody who's won the spine okay it just it just whoever you time to t- fall in with and there's a little bit of that in the tennessee race um you know people who and, it, and i think it's been actually really helped by people who have done really well in it like dave proctor and like terry really engaging with the people who are still slogging their way across mm-hmm. for the first time somebody who's now made it up to maybe 250 miles which you know is quite a long way of short of halfway getting a well done from ter- terry or a you're going rightly there from dave kind of thing that's massive and you know that makes that person's day um that really encourages that person likewise i've had comments on there from people that i've understand and know to be in a different class of athlete than i am mm. and i feel great that makes me feel great likewise maybe i'll give somebody a comment saying well done on your 200 miles i don't know what that means to them but it can't do them any harm you know so i think it's a whole community it's sort of trickled down from the guys who finished in 10 12 14 days you know crazy things like that doing 100k a day down to people who are fitting this in around kids, work, an ill relative, um, other commitments, uh, who may be doing it to fill their day, get to themselves a bit of routine, look after their mental health. Uh, so, you know, there are people doing it for, there are 19,500 people doing it, and they're probably doing it for a lot of a lot of different reasons and a lot of different uh, it combination does give, reasons. One common thing is purpose, isn't it? Like, you know, purpose pulls you forward. Purpose, routine something to do every day try to compete with yourself try to overhaul other people who you are aware of or maybe you think to be good athletes there are so many reasons to do it uh that i i think it just it's just worked on basically every level so the covid has changed virtual um well, ha- events like, yeah there's absolutely yeah. no doubt about that like and that it's the whole community and sort of giving that motivation to people and that purpose and i think it makes it a lot more (coughs) accessible for people i I was actually bugged that i have a bit of a a foot injury that i can't run big miles i could run miles over the mountains but i was never going to accumulate more than like 20 25 miles a week i couldn't join in on this community Mm -hmm. and get into Mm -hmm. the buzz of that but of course you could have done yeah you know at that level it mightn't have been enough to satisfy your (laughs) mightn't have given you your buzz you know there there are lots of people out there doing 25 miles a week in this thing and that's twice what they usually do so you know for them that is fantastic for you it would possibly be a bit soul destroying but you know that's everybody's getting something different out of this but i still felt like i missed the boat with it yeah do you know what i mean like and it's i never would have got that from a virtual run before you know this like, likewise likewise and and you talk about the competitiveness side because it's almost turning into and we'll get to this bit in a minute i don't um like it's going to turn into a last one standing event as you can tell <laughs> some people have run a thousand kilometers have come back again with two thousand kilometers and mm-hmm. on the third leg and you know <laughs> you know Lars is already thinking about you know who is that last person like and how far they're going to get like that those cards are thrown on the table already but it did get a competitive strike like you know you could see where you were in the uk you could see where you were in oh, northern yeah. ireland or yeah and that was a really good buzz for people that were really really 
invest in their time into this and as well as that you knew it was great training as well do you know what i mean and um because you like as you said there you went into day three and i thought johnny breen had got superman syndrome like <laughs> and he went out <laughs> and he nailed his first sub three marathon which was phenomenal like i'm sure that was emotional uh it was like you knew you, i suppose you knew you could do it like honestly i look and you, it's very easy to sound like a bit of a dick sometimes, but I I rocked up to do that, you know. And I don't I don't actually count that I've done a three hour marathon yet. It has to be done in a race. Yes, I've done it twenty six point two miles in less than three hours, but it has to be. I think it has to be done in a race that you can really claim it for yourself. But I pretty much knew I was going to do that that day. <coughs> Just felt that it was a bit like rocking up. I knew I was going to get from uh, Dublin to Belfast unless I got hit by a truck or something. I sort of knew I was going to do that that day. Um. And I was nearly actually, I was, I could look, I was pleased with myself and so on, celebrated with a couple of friends and so on. That was great. But actually then I'd already got the Tennessee bug and I was thinking about, right, I need to get my recovery done here really quick because I, I've done 4.8 miles one day, 3.2 the next and 26.2 today. Mm. That's not enough. So I just gave myself a couple of days of smallish miles and then started to wind it right up. Because right Dave Proctor really set the scene, didn't he? Banks out 100k a day. And that's why it's great being in a group of really inspiring people, like ordinary people like ourselves as well. You didn't have to be superheroes to be putting in loads and loads of miles. And it was making you realize what you could actually do, what was possible. So Terry had done it in 11 days. Yeah. He completed the 1,000 kilometers. Like, and you're looking at it and going, what the heck? And, you know, it motivated me. And I wasn't even part of the group. Um, maybe motivated me too much. <laughs> I'd done too much running. Like, um, But it was great seeing that, like, like Dave Proctor, he was knocking it out, like, 100Ks. 100K a day. Then he decided to write, he, he dialed it back then to 50 a day because he wanted to spend a bit more time with his family. And 50 seems to be pretty much standard. He did a, I think, did he do a, oh, he, he, did, a, he did 50K the other day in, like, at a criminal time. Um <laughs> You know, and this is on day whatever. You know, it's just, and he's basically, he just calls a call over to his mom and dad's for coffee kind of thing. They must live like, I don't know, 25K away or something like that. But that's his standard every day. And he does a day's work. Uh, so it like inspires that's a different you level. though, doesn't it? Like, I know, I know, like, I inspi inspires me because he seems quite, uh, quite a nice guy, quite humble and so on. He's not, he's not shouting about it. Um, so I find that quite appealing. Um, and you can kind of relate to that mm. and you just accept that that's not something that you can do um these guys are on a different level that's absolutely fine you just have to admire them for that because they've got the talent and they're putting the work in so that's they're making yeah, the most of what Dave's, they can do. Dave's not normal like he is no. a phenomenal athlete yeah. like he's a phenomenal endurance athlete he holds a lot of records yeah. um in Canada and things like that yeah. and, you know his big a race is um breaking the world record for running across Canada that's what he's focused mm -hmm. on so we're okay. not all that person like no um, but there are loads of other people who are running phenomenal miles well if you look at if you look like at that us. race now I mean if you think about a 635 mile race you would think that's a long that's a long distance race but I mean there are some athletes from here who are now they actually treated the 635 miles as their warm-up i think like jill mccann she got the 635 miles now i got the 635 miles i don't know, maybe a day before jill or something like that i'm not sure but then i says to myself right that was my race yes i'm going to go back 
I'm just going to, but I'm going to enjoy mm-hmm. the sights, and that's what I'm doing now. I think I've done another 250 miles or something, or maybe a bit more, and I'm just enjoying it on the way back. Whereas Jill is just grinding them down. Now she's been back again, and is now heading east <laughs> yeah. again. Jill, I think, is she's not far off the top ten. But you have to be careful with that as well, you know, because you're getting locked in that way can break, could break you. And I suppose that's one of the reasons why you started to enjoy the way back, enjoy the community, enjoy the buzz, mm-hmm. because it's it's fantastic and you've done amazing. Like, I know my limitations how, as how well. How many days did you um, take to do it? 26. So you've done it within the month, which is a phenomenal yeah. target like to do. and But you you have to be very careful that you don't get too inspired to some of these people's bodies, whatever You way. have to know your own limitations. And I think, I, I again, I didn't really. I mean, I, I I hadn't really prepared for this because I only found out about it maybe about a week beforehand. So I started to knock out, I started to knock out the marathons. So you, you actually, had your marathon, you had your sub three marathon. Yeah. So a couple of days easy. Then I did, I think I did eight miles. Then I did like 17, 18, 20 a and couple then, of days and then you went and then on the thursday i said right i did a 20 miler and i thought well sure i've only got 10k left here and knocked out it so knocked out a marathon and i thought well a good pace though uh, i'm not sure what it was well i did 10 in 10 days and they were all sub four and yeah. i think it was average 340 <laughs> uh so that was good um but that's that's it, pretty impressive though that was good like the last time we talked you'd run a three one three fifty marathon yeah. if i had said to you and here, Johnny, look into this crystal ball here. You're going to run 10 marathons in 10 days, <laughs> sub 340. What do you think about that? I would probably thought that was optimistic, in fairness. Yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, there were niggles and pains, but it just shows you, it, it does show you again that although you can feel good on day 11, so on day 11 I knocked out maybe 34, 34, mi- 35 miles, but it very. I think that the marathon that day took six hours. The body, yeah. the body just said, "Listen, Nate, we've had enough." And then after that, it was, it was a tough. It was very tough. Because you have to be careful of. I call it Superman syndrome. That you know, when everything's going well, like you feel excellent, like, and mm-hmm. you almost come to this point where you feel a little bit indestructible. In, yeah, indestructible. Yeah, or yeah. indestructible, yeah. like, and you're seeing these other people are actually running hundred k a day. Actually, have I? Has my body actually moved into this zone? And you're hoping but you see it so many times with people like and you're like oh they have to be careful they haven't got superman syndrome there because next thing you know boom click and you're out for three months yeah it happens to us all like i hope that wasn't really what happened to me because it makes you feel a bit i don't know big-headed or something like that but it's possibly true uh it is possibly true and that's when it got really hard because then you're not clocking up 26.2 in three hours 45 minutes and you can go about the rest of your day then you're clocking up 20 miles in a day in eight or nine hours and it starts to get soul destroying and when you wake up instead of thinking right i'm going to knock out a four-hour marathon here you wake up thinking i've got to go and walk around for nine hours and my left leg is feels like somebody's got a saw at it and i have to cut my socks open to get my feet into my socks that's not glamorous <laughs> you're not meant to have to do that you're probably almost certainly not meant to exercise when you're doing that and basically i just basically abused my body for i suppose that was about six or seven days that was a long week robbie and then at the end when the end the end was becoming into sight i was able to shuffle around for two or three days and knocked out maybe 80 miles in the last two days and that took a long time i mean that was it was running in name only but still 
But if you take a look at Terry, you know, this is not an event about pace. Pace is irrelevant. And when you started off with a sub three hour marathon, that, that is a huge goal to break yeah. 26.2 miles under three hours. And that's a lot of fatigue on your body mm -hmm. doing that. And this event and virtual races in this manner aren't really about pace. No, you they're know, not. It's, it's distance, I, I'm not. Like, I'm not patient. Patient enough to do it like that. I have. Yeah. I feel for me. I need to knock it out and not. Not like I couldn't go out and run a twelve-minute mile and do that because I wouldn't. You're not getting the buzz about it that you're looking for. That's right. Yeah. And but it's everybody's different and everybody's taking their own angle at taking this because Jill's obviously <laughs> she is on her third way back. Yeah. There's no way you could do that third way back if you were running three thirty marathons. No, no, consistently. No. So everybody's, I suppose, the point I'm making. Everybody's got different goals within this event, and that's the beauty about it. And I mean, that's that's that's, that's the beauty because there's some people doubt they can do thirty first of August, but you know, if somebody doesn't think they can do thirty first of August and does it on the 29th of August, what a fantastic feeling! Yeah, just as good a feeling for them to knock that out because they're maybe. They just don't think they can do that sort of mileage um, for whatever reason, but they achieve it. That is just as valid and that, for them as for somebody knocking it out in 25 days or whatever. That's just as good an achievement. And, and I that, that's, 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 what, that's what appeals, I think, to so many people, but it yeah. really appeals to me because it's it means that people on massively different levels can compete together. And, and that's what I love about it because it's... I, and I think uh, I was explaining that very poorly, like, but that's what... So you can make it what you want it to be, right? Yeah. Um, but what drives you forward in the same event, but all these different dynamics all still come together in one community. So that person that's going to finish it in with one day left to go, or the likes of Dave running 100K a day, or people wanting to get speed out of it and get build that into their training so they come out of this stronger after, or people that want to go the full distance. Everybody... There's all these loads of different type of styles coming together and everybody's still supporting each other in the same way. The person that's getting the same praise as Jill who's going on, but she's only on her first leg. Mm -hmm. So, oh, well, Jill, high five. You've gone past me twice now. <laughs> uh, you've lapped me. <laughs> you've lapped me now. like, <laughs> And I think that's, it's quite amazing to see it. COVID has sort of given the virtual race scene a bit of space to grow and develop into yeah, this. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. And I do feel that the virtual events are with us going forward. I think there's a bit of momentum for them. I mean, I think maybe that that's maybe the number one event is the one that we're talking about right now. Um, but I also think that there are people who maybe didn't get in on that, didn't know about it, weren't aware of Lazarus Lake and the Barclay Marathons, and you know, because it maybe wouldn't be quite on their um, their horizon or whatever. But now I think that it's shown that there are people who have got maybe limited time or limited fitness and they are achieving what they didn't necessarily think they could do before. So I think it's given, because it's been such a successful event, I think it's going to give legs to other events. Mm. Yes, as the real races come back, I mean, there's nobody keener to get on a real race line than I am and probably you as well, Robbie, just for whatever event. I cannot wait until... Um, I think it's uh, Down Royal has just changed the 18th of July. It's going to be a proper race. Uh, then there's going to be Icon Centre and so on. So I cannot personally wait for those. But also, while I wouldn't have been that interested in virtual challenges before, I maybe would have done a couple of the virtual uh, reality NI that Declan runs because I, I think they're 
ex- some of those are excellent events and again empower people and encourage people who maybe aren't mm. top top performers it's a good community I, again like i think that's really supp- it's a really supportive one that uh, i think that and that enables runners of different abilities and so on to connect and get to know each get to know each other which they maybe wouldn't do at an actual race because they're maybe gravitating mm. towards the back uh as opposed to some people maybe want to go up and toe the line so as such so i, I think his community is a, a brilliant mm. community like and i actually first met him on dublin belfast uh, he finished quite closely behind me um i i think that his his re-races are absolutely brilliant mm. but i think it's given that the tennessee race has given legs to others just because it's been such a smash hit now others may not attract the same numbers because i suppose Lazarus Lakes events really do, <laughs> well, the, you know. Who wants to enter Lazarus Lakes event? You normally have to like fill in application forms and have true. Like, but this is the first the one that's been truly accessible to anybody. And that's it. Really, um, like, and so it? many people aspire. I mean, I mean, somebody said to me, Johnny, you'll run in the Barkley Marathons one day. I said, No, I won't, because you need to run, use a map, and that would be me. I'd be lost by the time <laughs> I got the map out. So that wouldn't be for me. I couldn't, you know. Uh, I wouldn't make the first page of the first book, never mind the last one on the fifth loop. So um, it made it accessible for me, and I'm not a bad runner. So if it makes it accessible for me and makes it accessible for people who are maybe struggling to do 10 miles a week, that's absolutely fantastic. But I think it also gives legs to other events that will come along that come along afterwards. Yeah, so that was a cue, really, <laughs> for the event that we're sort of holding. Like, <laughs> so we talked about the virtual races there. I do have um, our first virtual race. We'll do 32 marathons in 32 counties, it's just running 1,350 kilometers. Mm. You can do it in a team of four to try and break it down and make it more accessible to people. So on average, it's 13.1 miles a week with a team of four. But I wanted something a bit unique. Do it yourself, and you can chase after the golden shamrock, <laughs> which means you've got 16 weeks to complete the 1,350 kilometers, which is on average, um, it's 52 miles a week. But you can do 20 miles one week, and you can do 70 mm-hmm. miles the next week. You know, it's a, it's a distance I think the I think the team event makes it very <coughs> accessible for people. I mean, it's a good chance to get together with three of your friends at whatever level you're at and i mean different people can do different parts of those 52 miles so one team member may only be able to do seven or eight miles just depending on their circumstances so i think it makes it very the team event Mm. makes it very accessible for people and i think that's really where your community thing is going to come in uh robbie it probably will come in with the individual runners as well but you know 52 miles while it's not massive miles it's cons- it's considerable, especially if people are back to work and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's going to be a certain amount of commitment there, but it's certainly doable. I mean, I'm looking forward to getting started on the 10th of July. And I'm going to have to knock something out on the first day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've got a funny feeling I know what it'll be. But it's also my 50th birthday on the 29th of July, so I'm going to knock something out that day as well. And that'll help me with my uh, on my way to my wow. lucky shamrock. Uh, I don't actually know what it is yet, but it might be something to do with 50. But anyhow... Um, well, my, my 45th birthday is actually on the 10th of July. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Um, but you can enter a team of three or you can enter a team of two now because there's a lot of requests okay. there. So that, that option's okay. out there as well because some people were thinking, because everybody's dynamic is so different. Yeah. Um, some people were feeling 13.1 miles isn't actually enough, but actually 52 miles is too much okay. in a week. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people have requested that. So we have opened it up now. So, so that that's you a can nice bit of flexibility then. Nice bit of flexibility. So if it was a team of two, you actually is 26.2 miles um, a week. Um, a I team hope, uh, hopefully people that do enter it, you know, especially, for example, if they go in for the team event, there will be a bit of community 
builds up and if you know if 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 people who are maybe thinking about entering this and didn't get involved with Tennessee race, you know, the community aspect of it was absolutely key. Uh, it was really great mm-hmm. for people going, people keeping each other going, encouraging one another, getting to virtually know people in different parts of the world, taking photographs of bears and snakes and uh, whatever coming across their path, uh, a little bit of their local history and so on. Uh, so I, I think that people, maybe especially in the in the team event, will I think that will be very enjoyable for people and um, without a doubt like um from a global point of view everybody loves ireland yeah do you know what i mean there's an irish yeah. pub in every single corner of the planet like there is. um but what we are going to do is a virtual tour of the counties as we go through okay. it like so we'll be putting photographs up as we enter the first county and we will be following jerry duffy's path okay and we'll put photographs up and some history around that location and already I've put a, cu- a couple of photographs up of places I didn't even know existed <laughs> and read the history. And I'm actually excited myself to get that community up and running and actually to learn a bit about Ireland as we go around. Um, 16 weeks, and as we pass through, we'll be pushing, okay, you know, the first runners now in County Dublin or Wexford or mm-hmm. wherever we're going to, and we're going to have a little bit of history around that and a few photographs of that, and hopefully with a bit of luck that we'll have runners taking photographs and posting them up as well. I'm sure you will. Yeah, absolutely. And it's 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 really enjoyable. You know, you have to take a quick flick at it at the end of the day. You've done your run. What has everybody else been up to? It's good fun. You know, it's good yeah. fun. And you're, it's this is a leisure activity, you know. And this gives me an opportunity to apologize to the Western State because Michael Shields <laughs> cracked up with me yesterday. Stop calling it the Great Western State. Um, on the podcast, it's not that it's the oldest race, hundred mile race on the planet. You're destroying its tradition by calling it the Great Western State. That's the railway. Um, so if I have said that in all the other podcasts, I apologise. But we are modelling the the buckle on that. Okay. We want. I want it to be epic. And you know, the buckle is a good idea. That you know, there's a buckle for the Tennessee race, and it's just something a bit different. I think it's a bit more characterful. Yeah. Well, I want to enter it now because of the buckle. Because I'm not going to get to Would the. Do you not know anybody state. who could maybe supply you with a buckle? <laughs> keep this, keep one back. Um, I'm going to enter it myself. Oh, okay. Like, okay. Um, I'm looking to enter it with my family, and that's the beauty oh, of it okay. as well. So I've got a 12 year old and a 14 year old, and as you said, you know, if they set a target of running 10 miles each, or walking 10 miles each, and uh, my daughter goes to three, four mile walks a week, it's 12 miles. Uh-huh. Or you can do eight miles, you can do six miles, and my poor wife will have to pick up the slack. Like, <laughs> but, but that's the beauty of it as well, because it can. To our point earlier on, it's what you want it to be, and however that dynamic is going to fit your life and your lifestyle, and it can be whatever. You, we've sort of touched on it with G, GV rats. But why not us? Like, why not the Irish? Like, come and visit Ireland and come and join us through this virtual tour and get the momentum going you don't need you don't, don't even have to go into quarantine if you do this <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> right so how far are you now into gv rat return oh i think maybe about 250 miles or so maybe more i've been a bit slack the last couple of days uh but i'll get back at it tomorrow and then i've got long run on sunday so by sunday should be way over 900 miles and i think it's so it's 1270 return so i'd like to be fi- i'd just look to finish maybe next month sometime next month and that'll do me that'll be mm-hmm. fine but it's been absolutely amazing watching and inspiring as well, watching your progress. Like like two years ago, it was a year and a half ago, actually, we sat down um, to see you coming from a 350 and a DNF and 107 miles um, to running those sort of distances like and running those sort of times. 
and like coming third in the UK, one of the biggest things that happened in lockdown really, mm-hmm. um, from uh, the running community point of view. Like it's amazing what you can do with a bit of hard work over 18 months. It really is. And look, if you enjoy it, that's all the better. And if you enjoy it and you have a bit of success, then you enjoy it more. Then you work harder at it and you get more success. And without being an elite runner, I think I'm doing okay. Um, and I think it's good. I think it's good for other people to see that as well because they can see that maybe the times that you're doing are not all that incredibly special. They might be quite good. But I think it gives other people a bit of hope out there as well. A bit of not hope, but a bit of encouragement. Because you know, I'm not saying everything is in us all, but we can all improve. And look, if you see other people who just are regular people like me doing maybe that bit better, maybe it gives other people a bit of hope too and encouragement. And I don't think that's a bad thing either. Johnny, we're gonna finish on that because you give us a lovely ending again. I don't think I beat that again. Like so <laughs> make sure you listen to anybody who never heard Johnny's first episode. I've heard it about five or six times now. Um, make sure you tune into that because it's great to see the difference from where <laughs> you are now to where you were then. Absolutely amazing. Johnny, thanks very much. Pleasure, Robbie. Many thanks. Cool. Hope you enjoyed this episode. It would be great to see your name on the list for the Fimacool Challenge. It's going to be epic. It starts on the 10th of July, so why not join us for the virtual tour through the 32 counties of Ireland? You'll find a link to enter in the show notes. Until next week, Stay safe and keep on moving.